Home is where you feel safe. For me, home is a、uh, family. Number one,、uh, my parents. Let me be specific. Hi, listeners. This is Allison Duval from EMM's hometown podcast, coming to you from the 79th General Convention, where we are here in the exhibit hall. We're meeting amazing people from across the Episcopal Church who are sharing why they support refugees. And I happened to meet Padre Alex Nagy, who is the priest associate for Latino Ministries at St. Andrews by the Sea Episcopal Church in San Diego, California. And we got into this amazing conversation that I asked him, you know, Father Alex, could I record this? Father Alex came to the United States as a child in 1949 from Hungary. He and his families were refugees fleeing Hungary following World War II. And so they came to this country through the 1948 Displaced Persons Act. It was a very moving conversation. We talked about his life, his childhood, and his ministry today. We hope you enjoy. This is Kendall Martin, and we're so excited to be here at General Convention. We've had so many more people come by today to fill out buttons, and we can't wait to share with you why folks are saying that they support refugees. Here they are. Why do you support refugees? Because we're all called to love our neighbors as ourselves. Because I hope if I ever had to flee with my children, we would be welcomed. And because my great grandmother came here fleeing from Germany. Because everyone deserves and needs a home. I support refugees because of Vivian, Marianne, and Leonardo. They came to New Bern over a year ago, and it was at the beginning just Vivian and Marianne because Marianne had to have heart surgery to fix a hole in her heart as an infant, and it took over a year later to get Leonardo here from Colombia. They deserve to be here. I support refugees because it could just as easily be me, because my ancestors, like most of us in the United States, started out as refugees. I support refugees because everyone deserves to live in a place where they feel safe and free. I support refugees because it feels like the right thing to do, and it feels good to do so. Hi, listeners. This is Allison Duval here at General Convention in the Exhibit Hall. Um, EMM is with our friends from the Episcopal Public Policy Network in Booth 410. We hope you'll come visit us while you're at General Convention. And I was just so blessed to meet Father Alex Nagy from St. Andrews by the Sea Episcopal Church in the Diocese of San Diego. We were talking about Episcopal Migration Ministries history and the fact that the Episcopal Church began resettling refugees in the 1930s and 40s when people were fleeing Europe. And Father Alex shared with me his story. So, Father Alex, I wonder if you could just share with your listeners a little bit about your childhood and how how we came to talk today. Gladly,、um, I appreciate this opportunity very much.、Um, in my heart, I'm all for refugees, having been a refugee myself. In 1949, actually in 45, we fled our native land, Hungary, and because my father, who was a captain in the Royal Hungarian Navy, Was convinced that the Russians would not leave us, but they would settle, and and they did. Okay, so we fled. We meaning my mother, my father. I was four years old, my sister two, and my brother a few months old. And can you tell us a little bit about what were your parents fearing with the Russians coming? What was what made them decide we have to leave to to protect our children? Well, it's not just to protect the children; it's to protect the mother. Um, and I think that that your hearers can figure out what I'm thinking about. Unfortunately, that was true. 
So rather than have that happen, we fled. So we went to uh, uh, Austria for a year and then to Germany three years waiting for papers and we did get them as refugees. And so when we arrived in 1949 to San Antonio, Texas, here we were. Uh, my father, of course, uh, uh, knew English, but the four of us did not. So the first thing that we did was we went to school. I had gone to Germany for the first two years, but my sister hadn't. So we went to the third grade together, since none of us spoke a word of English, nor could we uh, understand it. So make a long story short, uh, these three little children grew up, and all of them have a doctorate. The baby brother was the first, an artificial intelligence, who with child number five co-authored a book which was required reading on the university level. My sister uh, is fluent in Japanese. Well, Hungarian, yes, but in English, but not Japanese. So that's the first thing she had to do. She had to learn it. And not only did she learn it, but she learned it so well that she was awarded three, uh, what is that scholarship, uh, that very famous one? Fulbright? Fulbright. She is, I mean, that, that's just to get one, you know, is okay, but... Two is, that's something. Three, there aren't that many. Oh, and by the way, the country of Japan acknowledged her. She was a recipient of a special award that was only given to 87 people in the world two years ago. Wow. Because of her not only interest in, in Japan, but because of her, her working with the Japanese people. Right, and you were talking earlier, I, I made the comment that there's something about um, Americans who are a few generations removed from their own immigrant stories that we, we kind of forget the hardship that our ancestors had to overcome upon being newcomers to this country. And that there's something about your own family's story that's so relevant. Mm -hmm. And so um, it, it's, it's repeated with every new immigrant family that comes to this country. So talk a little bit about that. Gladly. Thank you. So my father was educated, a university graduate, and in fact, at the Naval Academy, he became a captain, he was on the faculty, and so he was doing quite well until we left. When we left, uh, then, then he had to get a job. And to get a job, you had to have a sponsor before you could c come to this country as a, as a refugee. And this is back in the late 1940s, 49, right? 49, yeah. The day, after, um, the day after Labor Day, 1949, we, we landed and we went to San Antonio, Texas. There, there was a job waiting for him at the university, and, and it was going to be a maintenance engineer. My father, of course, was fluent in English, so he said, that's not, that's not bad because I'm strong in math, until they gave him a broom. And he said, what is this? He says, well, you're the janitor. And he said, well, it's very important to have a clean, clean university. So here I am. I clean toilets by day. Oh, and by the way, they did not accept but half of his university credits, and so he had to go to night school to, to earn his degree again. And that he did that, and that was fine. But with help from a friend, uh, uh, Marianne's brother, he said, Brother Bill, isn't there any work here for people with a mind? God blessed me with a mind, not with hands. And he said, Brother Bill came back and he said, Alex, Alex, I got great news for you. What's that? I found you a job. What is that? Changing oil in cars. And my father said, it's very important. But again, we're at hands. I have a mind. 
So then finally he went to his dear friend, the president of Lone Star Brewing Company, the time the 16th largest in the United States, and he said, Harry, I've got a problem. I've got a refugee here who says he's got a mind, but I can't find him work. He says, well, let him come over here and see what he can do. He says, well, but we already have a, uh, a, uh, an accounting department. And my father said, yes, you do, and a fine one, but you don't have a statistical department. Well, this big game hunter uh, didn't know what that meant, but he said, All right, I'll give you 90 days you know, to create this job for yourself. Not only did he do that, but he also founded the, the computer department in the early 50s. And then he, he was there as an officer of the corporation until he died. It's just amazing. Yes. Yes. So, Father Alex, I'm also so interested to learn about your ministry now in the Diocese of San Diego. I understand that you're the priest associate for Latino Ministries at St. Andrews by the Sea Episcopal Church. So can you talk about, about your ministry? Because it seems so connected to your own story. Yes, thank you. It is. And I have the former rector, uh, Dr. Simon Mannering, to thank because he's the one who asked me two years ago that to, uh, to increase the parish. It's not going to be with more Anglos. But we have 9,000 9, Latinos living in our zip code, and nobody knows who they are or what they are. And so he and the vestry said, this is what, what, what we should do. And so they, they invited me. Why me? Because I started out in, in, in Latino ministry as a Roman Catholic priest. I was priest associate at Nuestra Señora de San Juan de los Lagos in San Antonio, Texas. 5,000 parishioners, 4,998 brown, two gringos, the pastor from Chicago, and I from Budapest. <laughs> so so that, that's been in my blood all this time. And when he asked me, I said yes. And so that's what we're doing. We are... We are helping the Anglo congregation understand the plight of refugees, who many of those people are, mm -hmm. who are our parishioners, right. and who did not experience the same obstacles that so many of our parishioners' ancestors did, because most of them came here knowing English, and they were white, and they were men. Okay? Right. Whereas for us, it's just the opposite. We have only brown color skin, and, and Spanish. That's why we have a bilingual service every Sunday at 12. And if you're in the neighborhood, drop in. We'd love for folks to go visit. Can you talk a little bit about what you wish people knew about, about refugees? What I would ask people is to tell their own story to themselves. Because they were not born here. God did not create them here. This was not Adam and Eve land. So everybody is a descendant of an immigrant or an immigrant. And many of the immigrants were refugees. Look at the 13 original colonies. You know, they couldn't bear the life in Europe, so they came here. And those were the real pioneers. But unfortunately, with time, they, they developed amnesia. They forgot what it was like, how hard it was, how unwelcome they were treated, except by the, the Indians who, and then we, we you know, you know that history. But the big thing is, go to your own history. Ask your parents, grandparents, or look at their diaries and see what a hard life they had, especially those who did not speak English, especially those who were not white, and especially those who, where they came from, were well-educated. But what are they doing now? Picking crops. Why that? Because nobody else wants to do it. 
right? It's so important for us to acknowledge our own stories and understand the um, the difficulty that our immigrant ancestors lived through and overcame, but also to open our hearts to people who are newcomers to our country now. America has never been a static thing. It's always changing. And your ministry every day is part of weaving that beautiful tapestry that is the fabric of our country. Thank you, yes. And the thing about Americans is they have a heart. They have a heart. We received that from the GIs who came to Hungary. I remember that, you know, food was rather scarce. And one day, Captain, and I don't remember his name, but he died anyway. But he came with his, his, his battle helmet full of small potatoes. Made my mother cry because we would eat that night. So America is its finest a country with a heart, a welcome. But only those people who remember their stories, how their ancestors did not have it easy. So would it be in our best interest as people of faith to say, Sister, brother, I don't care what you look like or what language you speak or, or what your gifts are, you are family. And you are welcome. Thank you. The last thing I'd love for you to tell our listeners, our, our podcast is called Hometown. Yes. And we love to ask people what home means to them. Yes. So, Father Alex, what does home mean to you? Home is where the heart is. So home is here with you, Allison. Because I just met a new sister. And if we would just do what Jesus did, open his heart. Never once did he tell people, you don't look like me, you don't speak like me, go get lost. No, it was, it was Jesus who, who went, go out, go out. Don't sit at home. Go out and bring others the love of God. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Alex. It's been wonderful to meet you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Hometown. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we are EMM Refugees. Make sure to order your very own EMM t-shirt now through Friday, July 13th at bit.ly forward slash uppercase EMM lowercase t-shirt. Make sure to stay tuned for more episodes throughout the summer of Hometown.